This episode of The Get Back Coach is presented by the band Mellifilis. Check out their new EP, Just High Enough, anywhere you stream music. On this week's episode of The Get Back Coach, I look at the surrounding drama of Horns Down, reflect on Nebraska's first 10 years in the Big Ten, and then I realign college football conferences to actually make sense. The playoff ends the episode, ranking the best hand gestures in college football. All right, let's get after it. Episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to tell you that the Big 12 Conference is leading the way for the NCAA when it comes to cracking down on terrible, disgusting, vile acts that demean and offend that are not acts that are not in the highest ideals of intercollegiate athletics. And I am talking, of course, of the policeman of Horns Down. So if you haven't seen late last week, Big 12, uh, at Big 12 Media Day, um, the director of officials uh, Greg Burks says that they will police the horns down gesture um, more strictly than years in the past. And if it is used as a taunt, that it will be a, it will be flagged. And he says that if the horns down taunt is done to the crowd. He said that it probably won't be a penalty, but he said he's not, he's not saying it's definite. He's not, he said that it is a judgment call, but still. Um, here, here's my whole take on the horns down saga. And I, I honestly think most Texas people really don't care. Um I honestly believe most Texas people don't care because think about it. I mean, if you have all these people doing horns down all the time, I mean, they're, they're basically saying that they, one, they don't like Texas and usually don't like Texas because they are a, the breadwinner and one of the better teams in the conference. But here's my whole take on the whole horns down thing. If a player does it, like right in front of another player, like it's clearly a time, like you're, you're in the guy's face doing the horns down, uh, doing the horns down. I can see that being a penalty because you're in the guy's face and doing. if you score a touchdown and you do horns down, I don't see anything wrong with it. I really don't because now you're saying you can't do hand gestures. 
So if you ban horns down in the end zone, then you might as well ban the rate, like regular hook'em. You know, uh, players in Miami should get hit for the U. Um, you, know, you know, things like that. So if if it's not towards anyone, like if it's not a a like taunt in someone's face, it should not be penalized. If they do it in the end zone, let them go. I mean, like, I understand there needs to be sportsmanship and all that. And, and trust me, I, I, I'm on that side. But, like, it's, like, let the guys have some fun out there, okay? And I'm not talking about, like, what, um, oh, who was it? I think it was Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, you know, getting on his knees and, you know, pretending he's a dog, you know to troll Mississippi state end up costing them the game. But I, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about simple. You're in the end zone, bam, horns down. That's it. it it's not, it, it's not a, it, it's not an elaborate celebration. It's a quick little hand gesture. It's just, it, it's just like putting your finger up. This is probably the best um, comparison. It's, Crazy game, you're away, you score a touchdown, and then you put your finger up to the crowd. If that's allowed, if that right there is allowed, which it should be, then horns down should be allowed. Now, saying that, if you are not Oklahoma or, you know, maybe Texas Tech, Texas A&M, even though they don't play each other anymore, you really should you shouldn't do horns down unless you're playing Texas. Okay? West Virginia fans, I'm looking at you. And I love you. Listen, West Virginia fans, I love you. I do. But you know, too many times they're not playing Texas and you look into the crowd and people are doing horns down. It's constant. All right? And even though I have partake or partaken in some horns down propaganda. I just don't feel like it is a right thing to do if you're not playing Texas. You know, maybe maybe the week before you play Texas, you know, you go into the crowd and get fine. But if, if you played them afterwards or if you're playing them um, or if you're not playing them for a few games – or it's been a couple games since you played. T- like, stop doing the horns down, okay? Stop doing it because that just shows that you care. Like, it's like you're trying too hard. You know, if if that makes sense. I mean, for all those years, West Virginia had Texas's number, and and now it's been it's been of a bit of a rivalry kind of heating up between West Virginia and Texas. Um, but you, West Virginia, you're, you're not on the same level as Oklahoma. Okay. So let Oklahoma troll Texas, you know, Texas tech and Texas, Texas A&M tech, they have a longer history, you know, but you know, West Virginia, um, you know, even like Iowa state, like stop, just stop doing it. Okay. Unless you're actually playing Texas. Okay. And, and, and though, and I feel like that even though it adds to it and i think some texas people are pissed off from it 
because all these other teams are doing it. But listen, Texas fans, if other teams are doing it, that means they hate you. That means like, even though you're, you're not back that you still have a big enough program that everyone hates your guts. And you should be proud of that. You should be proud. Everyone wants to be the team that everyone hates their guts and Texas. And you're not even winning, you know, nine games a year to do it. So you should be proud of yourself. Um, Next order of business. It has been 10 years, a a complete 10 years since Nebraska has joined the big 10. So let's take a look here. Let's take a look at Nebraska in 10 in 10 years. So they're going through some, you know, they're going through some hardships now, but how did it start? How did it start? Well, we have Bo Pelini coming in with a nine-win season, okay, five and three in conference. You lost the Capital One Bowl in South Carolina. Okay, not terrible. I think they, they finished the year 24th in the country. Next year, went to the Big Ten Championship, got pounded by, I believe, Wisconsin. Uh, but 10 wins. Still, 10-win season, not that bad. You know, you lose up. You lost the Capital One Bowl again, Citrus Bowl to Georgia. And another Bo Pelini year, nine wins. You beat Georgia in the Gator Bowl. Not bad. You finished the year 25th. So you're on the outside of the top 25. Bo Pelini, still coach. Nine, nine and four, lost in a holiday bowl, decent bowl, an okay bowl against USC. And this is when the shit hits the fan. Because then we get uh, a six and six year, or sorry, a five and seven year. They happen to make uh, uh, the Foster Farms Bowl and beat UCLA. Um, then they try and bounce back with another nine-win year, lose a bowl game to Tennessee. And then it's another four, a, a four and eight with Mike last Mike Riley's last year. And then it's four and eight, five and seven, three and five. Not good. For Texas, or sorry, for Nebraska. So, what do what have we learned here? And this is a cautionary tale to all of the teams that are good, but not on the same level as the premier team in your conference. Okay. This is a cautionary tale. Um, and I don't know Bo Pelini, probably what, uh, 
I think there were some issues with him at Nebraska. I don't think a lot of people liked him. I think they wanted him out. And they're just like, hey, you know, we, we all, we're always winning nine games a year. We're always winning nine games a year. We can't get over the hump. We can't beat Ohio State. We can't beat, you know, uh, we're, we're having trouble with Wisconsin. But you're in the fold. Like, you're there. Like, I understand that everyone wants to win a national championship. I get that. Okay? But Nebraska hasn't been the same since, man, I want to say since Adrian Peterson from Oklahoma just absolutely destroyed them. And I believe since then, Nebraska's been like a a, a decent team. You know, nine wins every year, eight wins. And then it just went downhill fast. I mean, look at both. Let's just look at Bull Polini in Nebraska. Gator, two Gator Bowl wins, Holiday Bowl win. And let's see here. That's it. Okay. So he's three and four. He was three and four in bowls. But he had, excuse me, he had nine win season, 10 win season, 10 win season, nine wins, 10 wins, nine wins. You're in it. They get rid of Bo, which again, maybe they had a right to because there's some sketchy stuff going on. Hire Mike Riley. Goes six and seven, nine and four, and then four and eight. Four, and then they hire Scott Frost. Because again, Mike Riley comes in, it's going to be more. It, I mean, it was a little worse. Now Scott Frost is there. Uh, Scott Frost has got to be on the hottest of hot seats right now. I mean, you're 2021, your guys are now there. Those, these are your upperclassmen. The guys that you recruited to go there are now juniors and seniors. If you don't, if he doesn't pop out a eight win year and, and again, Eight wins. That's the worst. That's worse than Bo Pelini ever did in Nebraska. But if he doesn't pull out an eight-win year, I, I think Scott Frost is fired and they go after someone else. They have to. They absolutely have to. I mean, okay, let's look. Let's look at Nebraska's schedule for 2021. Okay, let's see. Will Scott Frost be the coach at the end of this season? They play, they're playing Illinois, win. Fordham, win. Buffalo, win. At Oklahoma, <clears throat> loss. Michigan State, probably a win. Northwestern, for right now, let's count that as a loss. Michigan, let's count it as a loss. Minnesota will be a loss. Minnesota is going to be tough this year. Purdue has to be a win. Ohio State, and then you end the year with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. He's going to win. I say he wins five games. And then I think Scott Frost is fired. He'll beat Purdue. He'll beat Michigan State. And then he'll win. He'll be Buffalo, Fordham, and Illinois. 
Nebraska will win four games this season, and then and Scott Frost will be fired at the end of the year. I mean, you have to. You have to. And I, I understand that these small-town, middle-of-nowhere colleges who used to be blue-blood programs, I understand they're having a harder time attracting um, you know, athletes that just aren't used to that life. I mean, it's hard to recruit guys that live in, you know, uh, in Florida, in hotbeds like Florida, and even Texas, to come up to Nebraska. It's tough. No one wants to live in Lincoln, Nebraska. The only people that want to live in Lincoln, Nebraska, are people from Nebraska. So it's tough. I mean... The, the fan base is amazing. It, it's pr- Nebraska has probably one of the best fan bases in the country. It doesn't matter how bad the team is. They're going to sell that place out, and it's a great stadium, and it's a great tailgating. It's great everything, and it's a shame that Nebraska isn't that well. But before, Nebraska was able to take the Oklahoma kids, the Iowa kids, the Texas kids. They were able to attract them. Now you have – um, Iowa and Iowa State recruiting Iowa as best they can. You have Oklahoma dominating, and, and Oklahoma State being better does not help because now they're getting the Oklahoma guys. Nebraska in state doesn't produce great football. And then the Texas kids not only are going to stay in Texas, but they're also going to go to Alabama and LSU and Georgia and Ohio State. Recruiting is no longer geographical anymore. And I think that right there has hurt Nebraska. And with the new NIL policy, I think Nebraska's in even more trouble. Because like I said on on my last episode, you're going to have more kids going into Miami, going to USC than ever before because they're going to be able to get those guys they're going to be able to get players with incentive programs to help them pay. You know, who's going to be paying guys or players at Nebraska to play football there? Larry, the cable guy. Is that the best Nebraska's got? Probably. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, college Nebraska's one of those teams. College football is better when Nebraska's better, but Scott Frost right now, I think he's on the hottest of hot seats. And it's a shame. So it's a cautionary tale to all those teams out there that are winning nine games a year, ten games a year, and can't get over that that the Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson hump. Nebraska, cautionary tale of the grass that is greener on the other side isn't always better. Now, I spoke a little bit about geographical. Um, So I wrote a blog recently for Brandon. Um, It's something that I've thought about a while and that uh, I actually wrote about before. And I finally have a, a, a great website that I could post it and share it with everybody. But I wrote a blog titled, What If College 
football conferences made sense. Okay. And what this is, is I think the close, close to perfect conference realignments that we can get. Like this is as close to perfect as we can get. And what this is going to do is not only will it help fans travel to away games because it's going to be mostly based on geography, but I think it's going to be better for the sport, just for rivalries, for teams that you get to play teams that are closer to you. And I think that really heightens the stakes um, in, you know, in the college football world. Okay. So let's look down and let's, let me share with you guys what I'm talking about. Okay. So we're going to start with um, first thing we're going to do. We're going to get rid of all the names. Okay. All the different names, a big 12, big 10, pac 12. Um, they're all, all the names are gone. Okay. Cause it makes no goddamn sense that the big 10 has 14 teams in it. And the big 12 has only 10 and uh, no, we're, we're just, it's going to all be based on, geography okay so we're going to have the eastern conference the northern conference midwest conference western conference southern conference okay so we're going to start with the eastern conference here okay um all these conferences are going to be split into two divisions all right similar to what's going on now you play everyone in your division and then you have uh your crossover games so the north or sorry the eastern conference north division okay so we're in the eastern conference right now North Division, Boston College, Maryland, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, Syracuse, West Virginia. Okay, this is basically what um, people thought. This is what Penn State wanted for all those years, is that they wanted to play only the teams in the northeast portions of the country and Notre Dame. And it just never happened. Okay, yeah, some teams going to the, they had the Big East and then some went to the ACC and then it was all convoluted. Um, so Penn State ends up going to the Big Ten and then chaos ensues around the country. So that's your North Division. Your South Division, Clemson, Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. Okay, so your South Division is pretty much the ACC. The North Division is like a collection of old Northern Big East teams with Penn State thrown in there. Okay, and again, I really, I love this. Uh, Penn State becomes a perennial power in their division. Right now, they're the number two, mostly the number two to Ohio State in the division. Uh, This would make them the premier pro program in there. And also you have rivalry games with, you know, you instill those old school eighties, nineties rival rivalries with uh, West Virginia and Pittsburgh, Um, Maryland and Rutgers hate Penn state the way it is. Um, So that's perfect. And then you have Boston college back in there playing, you know, teams that it's going to be a little bit closer for them to travel to without traveling all the way down to South Carolina, like the, the Carolinas and things like that in the ACC. Um, and again, your Southern Conference, or sorry, your Southern Division from the Eastern Conference is going to be your ACC games. Um, 
I know in this Penn State probably is a little disappointed. They're not playing you know, uh, Michigan and Ohio State anymore. But again, they're going to be more of a power. They're going to probably have 10 games every, most likely every single year, and they're going to be in the fold. Also, West Virginia and Pitt will play each other every year again as well, which will be nice. All right, now we have the Southern Conference, um, the West Division here, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vandy. Um, you know, not much has changed. This is a regular AC, or sorry, SEC Conference Division. Um, but the East, okay, the East here, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, Miami, South Carolina. I think this is perfect um you know this is the old sec with two of the most recognizable programs in the country of florida state and miami so all miami so all the florida teams will play each other every single year georgia and georgia tech will play each other every single year and now they have an open non-conference spot so that they can branch out and play other programs besides the ones you play every single year because it's already built in their division. That's awesome. It's good for college football. All right, this is when things get a little chaotic with my new alignment. Uh, The Northern Division. Illinois, Iowa, Iowa State, Minnesota, Northwestern, Wisconsin – and Notre Dame. Notre Dame has to join a conference here. I think um, making it the Northern Conference geographically makes sense. Um, Notre Dame will probably not be, they probably won't like that they're independent anymore, but just in this situation, it has to be done. Uh, They could still have some decent crossover games, in the East, which I'll announce here. So the East, Indiana, Louisville, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, and Cincinnati. Add in Cincinnati, they're going to make the jump to um, Power Five. And, you know, they, they have already have a rivalry with Louisville. They're in Ohio with Ohio State. I think that makes the most sense. Um, plus that Louisville-Cincinnati rivalry, man. Cake of nails. Uh, very underrated rivalry there. Um, Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State will play each other every single year. Uh, Notre Dame, again, the crossover games with Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State. Those are old school rivalries uh, with trophies, big time trophy games that will be added to that conference. I think it's nice. Um, they'll probably still play you. They can still play USC every single year. So that's just going to be one of those games where they'll have to do that. If, if they want to, which I imagine they would. All right, now we're getting to the Midwest. Midwest football fans, Texas fans are going to love this. Uh, the South Division is every single Texas team in Arkansas. So it's Arkansas, Baylor, Houston, Texas, Texas A&M, TCU, Texas Tech. All the Texas teams in one division. I want the king of Texas who, whoever says they're the best in Texas, we're going to find that out every single year. All right. Um, and then the other division is known as the big seven, which is constructed from the old big eight. 
Okay, the old, old Big A conference, which is Colorado, Kansas, Kansas State, Mizzou, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I think it's great. Um, I will say Texas and Oklahoma, there's a possibility you may not play each other every single year. But when they do, you play it at the Cotton Bowl, you play it for um, the, the Calp, the Golden Hat. And it's going to be that much better when you get when, when they play each other. Okay. But Colorado's playing teams that they, they should be playing Nebraska and Mizzou renew their rivalry uh, along with Oklahoma. Again, Nebraska is going to be playing big 12 opponents again, or old big 12 opponents like they should be. Okay. Finally, the Western division, the North division sorry the western conference the north division boise state byu oregon oregon state utah washington washington state now boise state and byu boise state for years have have been a very good group of five team they need to make that jump i think it'll be the best for them and the state of idaho byu for years I know they fell off a bit, you know, but the 70s, the 80s, you know, they're always that decent program. They have a nice stadium. Um, They deserve to be in the mix. If they're good enough, they they deserve a legitimate shot at postseason. Um, The South is pretty much like the Southern Conference in the Pac-12. Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Fresno State is added to that. Stanford, UCLA, and USC. So you get all the California teams and Arizona, and that well, and the Arizona teams all in one. Uh, again, Fresno State hasn't been as good as they usually are, but I think they are good enough and they have a good enough following that they can make the jump. Now, some of you guys sitting at home might be asking, well, how will this affect group of five conferences? And it's pretty simple. Um, The AAC will lose Houston and Cincinnati. All that has to happen there is Marshall will leave conference USA and join the AAC. Marshall's good enough that they can join the AAC and no one will bat an eye. Um, The Mountain West loses Boise state and Fresno state. They are in separate divisions anyway. So you take, one from each division away, they can survive with 10 teams, you know, and and that's really it. You know, guys, college football is one of a kind. Okay. It's not only the pageantry and the rivalries and, and things like that, but you know, it's having bragging rights over your friends and families. And, And I just believe that this, in my hypothetical world that I just explained with conference realignment, that college football would be better for it because you're going to have a lot of those out of conference rivalry games that always take place once a year. Most of them are now going to be in division. And now those teams can branch out and play other teams and other, and we can get to see other matchups that we usually, you know, wouldn't get. But anyway, we're going to switch gears and 
we are going to get into our playoff for the week. All right, since Horns Down is back in the news, our playoff today, best hand gestures in college football. So as I was looking at the different programs and looking at, you know, the the hand gestures that are synonymous with that university football programs, I did want to lay down some ground rules. So if the hand gesture is strictly used just for a chant, it will not be included on this list. So, for example, uh, the Tomahawk Chop at Florida State and OHIO, uh, where the Ohio State people, they it's kind of like their, their version of the YMCA. <laughs> um, they will not be included because it goes str- strictly with a chant. Uh, but if you can do this, or if you can do this gesture or hand motion without the chant and it makes sense, then fine. It's okay for this list. So without further ado, um, now we, I do have an honorable mention that I thought was pretty cool. Um, TCU, it's a peace sign and your the fingers are bent on it. I thought that's pretty cool and unique. Uh, that is going to be my honorable mention uh there were some that are that i thought were actually kind of bad and i'm, I'm i don't want to offend anybody but uh usc is just like a peace sign i always thought that was a little strange um oregon and oregon state both use the o i think that's that i think that's weird that two rivals and i, I get it it's oregon but still like think of something else I don't know, like Oregon State's the Beavers, you know, um, put two fingers in front of your mouth like you have the buck teeth or something. I, I don't know. But I'm just saying it, it's strange that two rivals have the same um, have the same hand gesture. But anyway, TCU is my honorable mention. Um, all right, number four, Houston Cougars. It is your, if you're unfamiliar, it is your thumb and your ring finger connected with each other and the other three fingers are up. And the only reason why I have this on here is because of the story. Cause the story is pretty good um, because people on the West coast, my PAC 12 fans are probably thinking, wait a minute. Uh, that's Arizona state. And it is, but Arizona state isn't on this list because they don't have a cool story like Houston does. So Tex, so Houston had a player with a missing toe and the Texas fans mocked them mocked Houston by doing this hand gesture to show that the person had a missing appendage Houston adopted this embraced it and now it's their it's now it's their sign you know maybe (laughs) just saying but maybe the Texas people can start doing horns down as well and maybe embrace it. And maybe everyone will stop making fun of them. (laughs) Probably not going to happen. So anyway, yeah. So for Houston Cougars, uh, their hand gesture, just because of the story behind it, I think is really cool. And it has a a long history. I mean, we're looking at over 70 years of doing that. Uh, Number three, we make fun of them, but it's hook them horns. 
Um, I know it kind of looks like the, you know, the devil horns at like rock concerts, but whenever a hand gesture has an anti hand gesture or a counter hand gesture, because people hate them so, or hate it so much, you know, it's a good one. All right. Uh, Hook'em horns definitely deserves to be on this list. It's great. You see someone in passing, you can give them a little hook'em horns and they know exactly uh, what you're talking about. If you're from Texas, everywhere else, you know, it looks like the devil horns. Uh, number two, the Gator Chomp. And now I know people will be saying, well, Jake, you said, you know, that's a chant. That's the Gator Bait chant. Yes, I know. But it can be used outside of the stadium as well. And it won't look weird. Okay. I, I, I use the same example with Hook'em Horns. If you see someone in a Texas shirt and you give them a little, you know, hey, Hook'em. Same can be done with Gator, uh, the Gator Chomp. You know, you see someone going by, all you got to do give you know put your arms out give them a little gator gator clap they know exactly what you're talking about um the gator chop number two from florida uh number one this right here this next next hand gesture is more synonymous with this university than any of than any of the hand gestures we just talked about okay and it's easy it's the you uh popular in the 80s um, still thriving. Whenever you put up the U, it is s- still to this day, everyone knows what you're talking about. Like I mentioned before, with Texas kind of looks like devil horns, you know, um, the gator chop, if you're not familiar with college football that much, you might be thinking, okay, what's this person doing? Um, the, the U is so synonymous with uh, the University of Miami um, you know, and it helps with that they have the helmet with the U on it. So they're, you know, they're always known as the U and you put the U up, you know, exactly what you're talking, you exact, you know, exactly what people are talking about when they throw that up, you know, what they're trying to represent. So the U is definitely number one on my list. So let's give the rundown here. Um, four Houston, three Hook'em Horns, two Gator Chomp, number one, the U. All right. Uh, the playoff will start tomorrow. So make sure you guys vote on Twitter. And that is at the GB coach. Uh, follow us on Instagram as well. Uh, the get or get back coach, all one word. Um, and listen, hey, when you guys are voting in the playoff, what did we miss? What hand gesture did I miss? What who do you think what program should have been involved on or in the playoff? And make sure you guys give us a follow and tell your friends and give us a retweet. Guys, thank you once again for tuning in to the Get Back Coach. Until next time, adios.